On a Saturday sometime in September of 2013, one of the most deadliest terrorist attacks in history took place. Some of you guys remember, and some people may not be as uh, clear, but you guys might remember when I started talking about it. It took place in an upscale mall in Nairobi, Kenya. Four gunmen walked into this mall, and they began to just shoot, 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 and they took the lives of 67 people, and they injured over 200 more. And um, it was... By all accounts, a horrific uh, event. It was uh, a disaster. It was, it, was, it was very sad to hear this. Um, but in the midst of all this, there was one story that kind of stood out above the rest. Everybody had stories of the attack. Yo, I was there. He started shooting. I ran. Oh, I was there. I was just, and people have stories. But there was one story that kind of stood out above the rest, and it was a story of a woman, a mother, young mother, named uh, Sneha Mash- Mashru. Sneha Mashru. She was at the mall having coffee with a friend, and when the, when the gunfire began, and what she did was, like many people do, when you hear gunfire, you drop to the floor, right? You drop to the floor. So there she was, dropped on the floor, trying to not move, trying to not caused attention to her, and she noticed all of a sudden there was a cell phone nearby her, and it started to ring. And she is trying not to move, trying to stay uh, still, and the cell phone begins to ring, and now it's ringing, and she's like, yo, they're going to see me, they're going to look over here, they're going to, you know, come over here and start shooting again. And so what she did was she started to look for it without getting up. And she realized that the phone that was ringing was underneath a man that was laying down next to her. So she goes and like sticks her hand under this guy to grab the phone and she gets the phone. She turns off the phone, but in doing so, she realizes that there is a lot of blood on the floor. This guy next to her has been shot. She doesn't know if he's alive. She doesn't know if he's dead. All she knows is that this phone made some noise. She probably got the attention of the gunman. Now she has some blood in her hands, and she decided to do something that she decided to do something that pretty much could have uh, saved her life. She decided to use uh, to smear the blood of that man all over her own body. So she began to take the blood and kind of like put it on her face and put it on her body and this and that. And she was hoping that it, when the gunman would come by and they would see her covered in blood, that they'd be like, oh, you know what? She's already dead. And move on to the next person. This bloody camouflage most likely saved her life. Did you know that we too have access to blood that has the power to save our lives. I'm excited. I'm excited. Man. Did you know that? Who wants a bloody camouflage? Everybody's like, well, I, I, I know the answer is yes, Pastor. I know the answer is me, but I don't know. This is our third message in our series called Power. Power. And... As we continue to look at accessing the power of God, 
First, we spoke about power in the name of Jesus. And uh, second week, we spoke about God's power through praise and worship. And if you haven't noticed by our story, right, that we just opened up with, today we are speaking about uh, something that is pretty much the part of the foundation of our Christian faith. And we're speaking about the power of the blood of Jesus. So there's three, there's, there's three things that we can see in the scriptures that we're taught that are achieved by the precious power of the blood. And you know what? I didn't start the timer, but I'm going to do it now. I'm going to do it now. First is cleansing. Cleansing. We achieve, there's, there's a cleansing that happens through the power of the blood. So how many of us know that stains can be a problem? Anybody? Who likes stains? Right? Nobody. Stains are a problem. You're out on a dinner date or a wedding or, I mean, these days, birthday parties, which are very elaborate, like very elegant and, you know, and, and all out. Whatever the case is, you're at an event, you're all dressed up, you're on a date, you're all dressed up, you look nice. I hope you look nice because it took you five hours to get ready, right? And there you are. You reach over, you grab that mozzarella stick. <laughs> you dip in that marinara sauce. And it's making its way to your mouth. And right before you bite it, swoop, right on your shirt. At that moment, at that moment, everything is ruined. Everything is ruined. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. You know, all those people are dumping water and doing everything to try to get it out. I mean, all sorts of things. Your dinner is ruined. Your, your conversation is ruined. If you're at like at a big event, oh, it's all ruined. You want to go home. You want to change. Everything is ruined. The rest of your day is ruined, especially if you got to stay like that because you can't go home, right? You try to find some accessory to put over the, the stain, you know. If you're a girl, you say, hey, babe, let me get your tie. Why? Well, I just want to, you know, tie it like this or something like that. And you try to find a way to cover it. You know, um, there's a book. Yes, a book. You know what a book is? You know, it's like it has pages, paper. There's a book. <laughs> Pastor, we use the Internet for everything now. I know, I know. There's a book called How to Clean Practically Anything. And there's a whole chapter that's dedicated to removing stains. It's a real book, right? And there's a whole chapter on how to remove all types of stains. I mean, all types of stains. You know, you can, they'll tell you how to remove, you know, acid stains, glue stains, blood stains, uh, bird poop stains, you know, barbecue sauce. I mean, the, the, the list goes on, right? The list goes on. They tell you, you know, to use remedies, you know, uh, liquids and chemicals. And, they, you, know, they, you know, oh, we can remove it. Just a little bit of lemon juice, a little bit of club soda, a little bit of uh, ammonia, vinegar, you know, salt, yada, yada, yada. Remember the Seinfeld episode, yada, yada? So on and so on. But there is a stain, a stain, a stain so strong and so deep 
that absolutely nothing in their list of remedies can remove. It's a stain that sin leaves on the human soul. It's a stain that sin leaves on us, that there is nothing in this world. I'm talking about in this world. There is nothing in this world that can remove the stain of sin. But thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, that he has made available to us something that is out of this world. You see, the blood of Jesus is not of this world. It's not, it's not from here. And what happens is it's, it, it's the most powerful stain remover in the universe. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5 says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He cleansed us from the stain of sin by washing us in his blood. In his blood. Now, just like every stain remover, there's like a manual, there's instructions, there's a YouTube video out on it somewhere. Just, you know, how do you use it? When do you use it? So forth like that. Will it work for this? Will it not work for this? There are two types of, there are two kinds of sin that the blood of Jesus powerfully deals with. The first one is known sin. What you know known sin, right? It's, what, it's, it's the sins in our lives that we are aware of. We know it's a sin. We know we shouldn't. We know that we've done wrong. We know that it, does, you know, it doesn't please God. This is all known sin, right? And when we become aware that we've committed a sin, what do we do? You know, well, how do I access that power of God. I mean, if I know I sin, if I know this is wrong, if I know that now I, I stained my soul, how do I get this stain out? The answer is in 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that simple? I mean, it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem too hard. I mean, to confess pretty much means to, to admit, right? To admit that there was something wrong, to take responsibility, you know, for something that you've done, to, to have no excuses. When you admit, when you confess your sins, you're saying, you know what? Ah, my bad. It's my fault. I did this. I was wrong for this. I know I shouldn't have done this. It's not blaming other people for what you do. And this, this is something that many of us are guilty of. We blame other people. 
We blame other people. A well, pastor, I would never blame, but the, the human race is, bla- is, is almost founded on blaming somebody else. Adam blamed Eve from the very beginning. From the very beginning, all the way back to the beginning, turn to the book of Genesis and you will see that when Adam did something wrong and he got caught and God said, what are you doing? He said, you see, what happened was this, this, this woman over here, which, by the way, you got her. I mean, I didn't, even, I didn't even holler at her or nothing. It was you. You said you had to marry her. I married her. It was you. The woman that you gave me, she gave me this apple. And, you know, she had already eaten it, and I figured I might as well eat it too. And, this, you know, it's not my fault. It's all her fault. She's the one that did it from the beginning of human race, we have been blaming other people when we are called to account. It happens still to this day, even in the body of Christ amongst believers, we still blame people. We still blame people. It's not just a an unsafe thing or a Christian. Everyone, everyone is guilty of this at some time. Sometimes, you know, we, we blow up and we say, well, why you got to act like that? No, because this person, true, that person may, <laughs> that person may have done something that probably wasn't good in the first place, but we can still choose our reaction. You can still choose how you respond. You can still choose how you're going to treat someone even though they may or may not deserve that treatment. So therefore, your response is still a decision that you made. You can't blame somebody for the way that you said something or spoke something. You did it. I mean, come on. Can we, can we, can we just understand that? Can we, can we own it? Can we say, you know what, Pastor, you're right. I'm sorry. We'll pray for you at altar call. It's okay. We'll move on from it. We'll move on from it. Don't stay there, though. Don't stay locked in, always blaming somebody else for something that's going wrong in your life because you will never move forward. If you're always blaming somebody else, then it's always somebody else's problem. And if it's always somebody else's problem, then you'll never address the fact that you have a problem. (laughs) It's just the way it is. Covering, listen, the blood of Jesus cleanses sin. It does not cleanse excuses. If you want to remove the stain, listen, if you want to remove the stain of sin, we can't blame somebody else because the blood of Christ isn't covering the blame. He covers the sin. He washes the sin. He doesn't wash excuses. Doesn't watch the blaming, the blame shifting, all that. So, so guess what? You will continue to have that stain unless you say, God, Jesus, I got this stain right here. I dropped the marinara sauce on my shirt. It was me. I should have leaned over the plate. I should have leaned over the plate. Please, Lord, help me out. Unless we do that, we don't move forward. Covering up will achieve nothing. 
but confession brings cleansing. Now, some people are like, are, will probably be like me in this scenario, right? Here you got a guy who's tight roping across two skyscrapers. The first moment I hear someone like, oh, there's a guy, he's got a tight rope, no net, and he's going to walk from that building to that building. The first thing I'm like, oh, he's dead. He's going to die. He's going to die. <laughs> That's it. That's it. There's no stopping it. You know, I cringe. I just don't get it. Like, why? Why would you do this? Why would you do this? Why? I just don't get it. 300 feet is a long way to fall, and people just don't bounce. We don't bounce. Now, if I had to do this, if I had to walk across a tightrope 300 feet up in the air, um, I, would, I would request some equipment. I'd be like, listen, if I have to do it, I'll do it, but I need I need some equipment. I need a safety net that's going to go across from both buildings. So if I fall, I know, I know that I know that I know that I know that I'll be all right. I'll be caught in the net and I'll be safe. Just in case. Just in case I fall. Just in case I fall. I'll be okay. Look at your neighbor and say, just in case. Just in case I fall. Well, did you know that that's exactly what God has done for us? That's exactly what God has done for us. Imagine if salvation worked this way. Imagine if you go and you give your life to the Lord. Lord, I'm I'm a mess. I'm I'm a sinner. Uh, forgive me, come into my life. I want to receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. You know, I want to follow you. I want to be a disciple. You know, uh, guide me, lead me. And, and you, ha- you, you have that conversation with God, and you really mean it, and you start to live your life that way. And God says to you, like, I forgive you for all your past sins, my son, my daughter. I forgive you. I forgive you. And you turn around like, thank you so much. Because you don't know, I did a lot of things in my past and this and that. And he's like, I got you. It's all forgiven. And you thank you so much. And you start to walk away. He's like, oh, 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 come back. We're not done yet. If you ever sin again, you will burn in hell for the rest of your life. Uh, <laughs> uh, wait, what? No, no, I forgave you. I forgave you. Not on the, all the passes erased. I get it. You know, you, you accepted me. But if you ever sin again, you will perish forever. Uh, wow. Thanks. Most of us would be like, I'm just going to lock myself in a room with no windows or no nothing. No, I'm going I'm I'm to chain myself up. Just bring me food every day. I don't know. I, you know, <laughs> what hope would there be for any of us? What hope? I think, I, th- I, think, I think just coming to church, half of us will already be in hell <laughs> this morning. 
Some of y'all had some road rage on the, ra- on the way here. Some of y'all was already cursing God for the heat. It wasn't even that hot yet. Lord, what is wrong with you? This heat. For those watching at home, it's nice and cold in here. I'm not kicking nobody out today. If y'all want to hang out in this cold, wet, in the, we can hang out, order food, talk, whatever. No, I'm serious. I'm not kicking nobody out. We can just relax. We can relax. But do you know, God in his grace has provided for us a safety net. A safety net. The blood of Jesus Christ. So, if we fall, if we sin <laughs> in any way, we have access to this ongoing cleansing, this ongoing forgiveness. But the real problem is here that uh, we might be able to deal with the sins that we're aware of, but pastor, what happens when we have to deal with the sins that we're not aware of, Right? I mean, I can't confess that. I can't confess the sins that I'm not aware of. So, I mean, how can I cleanse that? How can we get those things out if I'm not aware about it? You know, it's like when you're walking around and somebody got a stain in their, on their clothes and nobody tell them nothing. Somebody spills something on something and nobody says anything. You walk around the whole day not knowing that you got a big ink thing or a ketchup thing or whatever all over your shirt and nobody says anything. Can you imagine... How can you deal with that stain if you didn't know it was there? Sin is like an iceberg. You guys know icebergs, right? These huge masses of ice just floating around. Titanic, right? We, we watch movies like the Titanic and, and see that it's an iceberg that brought down this monstrous ship. I'll never let go, Jack. Never let go. No. She let go. <laughs> in 19, right? I think so. I think so. I'm like, man, they could have shared that. All right, well. Oh, if you didn't see it, now we just ruined it for everybody. <laughs> um, in 1956, the largest iceberg was discovered. 1956. It was 208 miles long. And 60, about 60 miles wide. This, I think they said it was the size of, a, of the country Belgium, this iceberg. That's what they said. Now, we all, we all know the way that, you know, because of science and everything, the way that icebergs kind of develop is that the majority of the iceberg is where? Under the surface, underwater. It says that 85, 86 to percent of an iceberg is below the water level. So the most dangerous part of the iceberg is unseen. The same way that some of the most dangerous sin in our lives goes unseen. Because what happens is we're not aware of it and we just keep doing it and we think it's okay and, 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 and it's really destroying us and destroying other people. In our lives. Sin is like an iceberg. Now, human nature is stuffed with sin, right? 
Our society is full of sin. Our world is full of sin. But most of it, like this iceberg, we're not aware of it until the Holy Spirit puts the finger on it, right, and identifies it in our life. How can we deal with something that we're not aware of? How can we be cleansed of something that we can't even, that we can't even confess because we don't know? I'm glad you asked, Manny. I'm glad you asked. First, verse, uh, 1 John 1 to 7. 1 John 1 to 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. All sin. To walk in the light. When I read this verse, the first thing that comes to my mind, especially that camping has been on my mind a lot. I've been talking to Dennis and some of the, some everybody uh, at the picnic yesterday, we were talking about camping and stuff like that. There's a big group of people that want to go camping. We might have to do a camping trip soon. Um, and, and, and what comes to my mind is that you shine a flashlight, right, on a path. And now that light has told you what is in front of you so that you can now safely walk, right? And so to walk in the light, I just imagine like putting this light, like, like Jesus is shining light down in the direction that he needs you to go. Like, you know, it's just like this light beam from heaven. You know how the cartoon's like, ah, right? So it's a light beam that comes down and it shines and you follow the beam, you follow the light. To walk in the light is to be obedient to the truth of God that he has already revealed to you. Like he's already shown you. This is what I need from you. This is where I want you to go. This is, this is what I desire from you. And so what happens is walking in the light is walking in, or already in walking in the, in, in the path of what he has shown you, what he wants for you already. Obedience. If we are obedient to the things that he has shown us, according to this verse, two things happen. The first, and I know a couple of people got a little sneak peek of this one yesterday, is we will have fellowship with other Christians. We were talking about this in the picnic yesterday. The first thing that happens when we walk in the light in obedience to the word of God and to what he has already revealed to us is that we will have fellowship with other Christians. And the reason I say Christians, because it says fellowship with one another. And what happens is with other Christians, and what is fellowship? It's a friendly association. It's hanging out. It's wanting to be with one another. The natural result, a natural result, a side effect of walking in the light is that Christians will want to be with other Christians. Now, some of you right now are like, hmm, I don't really like people too much. <laughs> I try to avoid all the parties. I try to avoid all the big events. It's sad when a Christian doesn't want to hang out with other Christians. I mean, I say this from up here, and I'm not saying that everyone's perfect. 
I'm not saying that everyone has a great personality in their way, because everybody does, but it may not mesh with other people in the right ways, right? But it's a sad moment when, as the body of Christ, we don't desire to be with one another. It's sad. And we got to ask ourselves, what are the things that are keeping us from wanting to spend time with one another? Building community. Our church is called Lighthouse Family Center. And and I'll keep trying until I die. But I, I, I desire our church to truly become that family. I know this church has gone through different seasons and stages and merges and COVID and all sorts of things. But it's not impossible. It's not impossible to become a family, not just people that you see in church on Sundays, but people that you're living life with, people that you call when you're going through things or have barbecues at your house or, or, or you know what, people that even sometimes vacation together. That, people do things like that. Vacation together, Pastor. Yes. It's fun. Group vacations are fun. It's built in babysitters. Rotation. Rotation. Everybody goes out during the day. At night, you guys stay with the kids, and we go out. And then the next night, we'll stay with the kids, and you go out. It's a built-in system. It can work. But it's sad. Now, according to the verse, walking in the light and being obedient, the side effect is that it creates this fellowship. So the scary thing is, and this is, this is I'm, not, I'm not pointing fingers, but the scary thing is this. If we don't have that desire to fellowship with other believers which is supposed to be a side effect of walking in the light. Are you guys putting two and two together? Are we walking in the light? Are we walking in the light? The way that his scriptures tell us, the way that he commands us to, Or is it a chore or a burden? Remember we were talking? Is it a chore? Is it a burden to come out on Sunday? Is it a burden to get together to to, to have a picnic or to to support someone's baptism or or to to come in and and decorate and be a part of uh, of really reaching the children of our community? Is this a a chore? Is, is Is this a burden? Are our lives that important? Because, you know, if we backtrack and we talk about purpose in life, well, as a believer, our purpose is different, right? It's sad. The second thing that happens is that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. Not just this one, not just that one, all of it. All of it, including the things we're not even aware of. The power of blood cleanses. The power of blood forgives us of sins. The second thing that achieves in our lives and, um, is, is that it gives us access to the, 
to God's presence. This is, this is amazing. It gives us access to God's presence. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our glor- a gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and he will find grace to help us when we need it most. Wow. That's bold access to the very throne of God. Can we appreciate what this really means? Can we appreciate this, right? Do we understand the magnitude of what God is offering you? You can walk up to the throne of God where we will find grace where we need it the most. We'll get mercy. Remember the story of Esther? Mordecai was like, yo, you got to tell the king. You got to go before the king, and and you're the only person that will be able to help our people. And she was like, you know he only takes invitations, right? The king at that time, he had his own little law that you couldn't just show up. You know how people like have, you know, some people like to show up at other people's houses? He he wasn't having that. Like, you you need to get invited to stand before the king. And she was like, he hasn't invited me. I'm his wife, I'm the queen, and I still can't walk in front of him. If you were to do that, at that moment, you might as well count yourself dead unless he reached out his scepter and kind of like forgave you. But you might as well have been dead. Only by invitation. This king was completely unreachable, unapproachable. But our God is no earthly king. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the creator and the master of the universe. But wait a minute. So how approachable is he? I mean, in Exodus 33, 20, it says, But you may not look directly at my face, nor, nor, for no one may see me and live. Well, I don't know if I want to approach that. I don't know if I want to get close to that. I'm going to die if I try to walk up to the throne of God. I'm going to die. Look at this. I'm confused here. One verse just said I can walk up through it. We're going to get there. His presence is too holy for just you to see and live. Nobody was allowed to even touch the Ark of the Covenant. We know this, remember? We know that the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. And so no one was even was allowed to touch it. The Levites that were transported had to put poles in the rings of it to then carry it, but they couldn't even touch it. Or else they would die. And there was a guy that touched it and died. <laughs> feel bad for the guy. Uh, was that Uzzah, Uzziah? He touched it because it was falling, and he didn't want it to touch the ground. He, he was trying to catch it like it's falling. He tried to, and he's dead. That's another teaching right there. That's another teaching right there. Carrying things the wrong way causes death in other people sometimes. Oh, we got to write that down. We got to preach about that one day. Oh, yeah. 
Write it down. Write it down. Write it down. I'll, I'll, I'll forget by later. I'll forget by later. But that, that, that. No, seriously. Don't forget. Don't forget. Oh, we, oh yeah. We live. I'll rewind it. Um, <laughs> and so what happens is he touched it and died. Once the ark was placed in the, in the holiest place in the temple, <laughs> that's it. The curtain was closed and nobody would go in there. And once a year, once a year, the high priest was allowed in that room. That's it. But the moment Jesus died on the cross, the moment that blood was spilled on Calvary, the moment that he took his last breath, the curtain was torn in two. Let me read this to you. Mark chapter 15, verse 37 and 38. It says, Then Jesus uttered another loud cry and breathed his last, and the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So let me explain this so that we can understand. When the presence of God, when the Ark of the Covenant was placed in the, sanct- in, in the temple, right? When it was placed in the temple, that represented God. Like, you got to pretend like that was like, that was like, let's say that was God right there, right? It represented the presence of God. Because of his holiness, because of his great, the curtain that was before it, it separated unholy and holy, right? Pay attention. And so what happens is this. When the, when the curtain tore in two, it now broke that divider that kept the unholy from being able to see the holy. The blood of Jesus Christ did that with us. That's why in the verse that I read earlier, I said we could go before the throne of God. Something we weren't able to do before the blood of Jesus. Right? Now we can go. We have access to the presence of God because of the blood, the power of the blood. Hebrews 10.19 says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. And the third thing. is redemption, redemption. Ephesians 1.7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. This is how redemption used to work under the law of Moses. I'm going to read it to you. Exodus chapter 21, verse 28, 30. Some of y'all like, y'all think life is bad now. Try living life uh, prior to <laughs> the power of the blood of Jesus, right? Exodus 21, 28 to 30 says, If an ox gores a man to death, a, a woman to death, the ox must be stoned. And, if his fle- and his flesh may not be eaten. In such case, however, the owner will not be held liable. But, but suppose the ox had a reputation 
of goring. <laughs> and the owner had been informed, but failed to keep it under control. If the ox then kills someone, it must be stoned, and the owner must also be put to death. However, the dead person's relatives may accept payment to compensate for the loss of life. The owner of the ox may redeem his life by paying whatever is demanded. So, so, so let, let, let's talk this out. You got an ox and your ox goes over to somebody and like, arr, 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 kill somebody. Hey, it's not my fault. You know, they kill your ox, but you can't eat the meat. I guess that's the form of punishment, right? You, you, you can't eat the meat, and that's it. Now the owner has one less ox, and nobody can eat the meat. But, but if Caesar has an ox, and he knows it likes to arr, people, right? And they told him, yo, Caesar, keep your ox, like, locked up, chained up, because it's going to hurt somebody. And he's like, yeah, 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 I got you, I got you, I got you. But doesn't do it. And then goes, kills, uh, Jen, Jen's relatives, because everybody here is almost related to Jen, right? One one of Jen's relatives. Kills one of Jen's relatives. You guys can pick. (laughs) Now, they go back to, to Caesar and they're like, yo, we told you about your ox. You didn't do nothing about your ox. And guess what? It killed one of Jen's family members. And now you're going to pay. You're going to pay with your life. And the oxen's dead too. Now he turned around and be like, okay, I check this out. Check this out. My bad. The string wasn't tight enough. Whatever the case may be, what can I do to make it right? Jen says, well, I usually would ask for a million, but this family member got on my nerves. So I'll take 500 grand. Now, it's Caesar's responsibility to pay that 500 grand because that's what's going to redeem his life. He doesn't get to choose how his life is redeemed. Jen does. He has to pay that amount so that he can continue to live. But why? uh, so, so, So paying a price in exchange for your life, right, is what we call redemption. Paying a price. For your life is redemption. But why in the world would I need to be redeemed? Good question, Irvin. Good question. 1 John 5.19, the second half of the verse, says that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The whole world. Romans 6 talks about how we are mere slaves to sin. Romans 8 talks about how we were in bondage to a spirit of sin, right? So a spirit of bondage. We were in bond, we were stuck in it. We were, we were under a spirit of bondage. So this whole world is enslaved to evil. And we would surely die if it was not for the blood of Jesus that paid the full price to redeem us. In closing, I want to look at Acts chapter 20, 28. Eight. Acts chapter 20, 28. 
Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among you, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Which he purchased with his own blood. So some of you may still be asking, but what's so special about this blood of Jesus? How can the blood of one man pay the price to redeem the whole world? So imagine a bank robbery, right? Twelve guys, uh, a couple guys go into a bank. They try to, they're trying to rob this bank. Things go wrong. They start taking hostages. They got 12 hostages, and they're threatening to, to do something bad if they don't get their helicopter. You guys know the story, right? Their helicopter, their money, and, and, and nobody following them or anything like that. Here we have this normal, good-hearted citizen walking by. He's seeing it going down, and he goes up to the bank. He's like, listen, guys, don't hurt the hostages. Just take me. Take me in place of the hostages. The bank robbers look at this dude and say, uh, you're only one guy. We got 12 hostages here. I'm not going to release 12 hostages just for you. You're nothing but a man. You're just one person. So, I mean, we'll swap one for one if you want. Come on in, Mark. We'll send somebody else out. But they're not letting everybody out. Value for value. One life for one life. This is a principle that's taught in the Old Testament, and it's uh, called uh, the law of Talion. Exodus 21, 23 to 25 talks about this law. It says, but if there is further injury, the punishment must match the injury. A life for a life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. A lot of y'all like this verse too much sometimes, though. Remember, this is, this is, uh, these are some of the old laws of the Old Testament. This is before the blood of Jesus Christ. A tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, a burn for a burn, a wound for a wound, a bruise for a bruise. Something like that. He hurt me. I'm going to hurt him. He did, she did this. I'm going to do this. When we act like that and live like that, we're living under the old laws. It's a principle that you can only be compensated by the same amount that you lost. That's the principle. But going back to the bank, let's say that this citizen wasn't just a normal citizen. Let's just say that the President of the United States happened to be walking by the bank during the robbery. And the President of the United States says, wait a minute, guys, take my life. Let these hostages go. Bank robbers are going to be like, wait a minute, this is the President of the United States? We're going to get more money. We'll, we'll, we'll pardon them. He's worth so much. He's worth so much more than just an, another citizen. He's far more valuable to us than these 12 ordinary citizens. If Jesus... So before I continue, so, so what happens is in this, in this story, 
if you imagine the devil, right, trying to have his hands on all these people, and then Jesus comes up, and Jesus says, oh, you might as well just let them go. You could take me. You could take me. I'll die. I'll die in the place of all these people. At that moment, the devil was like, oh, yeah. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah, Jesus. Far worth more than just us human folk. I mean, little did he know what was going to happen. If Jesus was just an ordinary man, he would have only been able to swap a life for a life. One for one. But because he is fully man and fully God, fully divine, it makes him worth infinitely more, infinitely more than any human being could ever be worth. His infinite value meant that he could die for everyone. All sinners that have ever lived, and those of us that are living now and sinning now, and that will sin in the future. Do we understand that the blood of Jesus is powerful? It does what nothing else can do. It removes the stain. It removes the stain of sin. Moves the stain of sin. You can put your trust in the blood of Jesus. It never fails. It never fails. Through his blood, we are cleansed and forgiven. Right now, standing here today, watching today, some of us may have thought things that we shouldn't have thought. We've said things that maybe we shouldn't have said. We behaved in ways that we wouldn't, shouldn't have behaved. And all we have to do is call upon Jesus this morning. Call upon him this morning. The altar is open and we want to pray with you. We want to pray with you because all it takes is a step of faith and the words of Jesus, please forgive me. And I imagine him going, pulling out that bucket of blood with the, with the little rag. Every time I say, Jesus, forgive me, he says, oh, I got you. And he covers me in his blood, covers me in his blood, covers me in his blood. Through his blood, we have access to God's presence. Church, you know how many of us are not taking advantage of this benefit? You know how like when you work at a job and they give you benefits and some people don't use all the benefits? Like, you're like, oh, I didn't know. Or you're a veteran and you don't use all your veteran benefits? Oh, I didn't know they did that. Oh, I didn't know I could do that. Oh, I didn't know this. This is a benefit that I believe that the body of Christ is so desperately missing out on. If we would spend more time in the presence of the Lord... Do you know how your life would be changed? Do you know? 
The things that feel so big in your life right now would look this little. Because you have just been before a big God. When you're used to spending time in the presence of the Lord, like when you go to this, like, yeah, 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 I know this seems like it's, it could be a bad thing, but my God is great. I was just with him the other day. And you know what? There's no family problems. There's no marriage problems. There's no job problem, no community problem. There's no problem that will overwhelm us when we are constantly in the presence of the Lord. Through his blood, we also have redemption. We have redemption. The price has been paid for you. The price has been paid for you. Do you understand that you were slated to die? You were slated to die. That's it. You didn't, you, you didn't even have a choice in the matter. You were going to die. Because of the sin in this world, you are going to die. And he paid the price with his blood. He paid the price with his blood so that you can have eternal life. He paid the price with his blood so that you can be in the presence of the Father. He paid the price with his blood so that you can be forgiven of your sins. He he did this with his blood. This is the power of the blood of Jesus. Right now, the Holy Spirit is tugging at your heart for whatever reason it may be. Maybe it's about sin that you want to repent from. Maybe it's because you want to be more in God's presence. Maybe it's because you're just going through some things and you're like, man, I just wish things were different. Take a step of faith this morning and make your way to the altar right now. Don't give it a second thought right now. We want to pray with you.